The Big 5-0 is here. Episode 50 is coming right up here on the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we're back again. Episode number 5050, episode L, but this is not going to be a loser of an episode. We do have some things to talk about and some things that may be coming to an Atlantic League ballpark near you soon. Ooh. But more on that later. We have transactions from York. We have some Frontier League information. And we also do have an announcement for what our special episode of the month will be. That will come up not next week, but the week after that one will be. And also, we may decide to talk some XFL because that was a very close poll vote. 15-16 in favor of not talking about the XFL. It was very close, and we'll see if we we uh, feel like it, if the yeah. mood behooves us. If there's time at the end, we'll toss it on. If yeah. not, maybe we still talk about it and put it up on the YouTube channel. Ooh, drive maybe. Some, Good drive idea. some people over there. I like it. Yeah, in any case, though, I think we could get started by talking about York's announcement, as we talked about last week. We, we were told that they will be announcing their first three signings of the year this past Monday, 6 o'clock, on the Revs Hot Stove Show. Um, we did get those three announcements. So the three that were signed was Jake Welch, Melky Mesa, and Brandon Fry. Brandon Fry, of course, being their disposal draft pick, one of them at least, from the New Britain Bees disposal draft. And Jake Walsh, he came in in September, wasn't great in New York, but he only had about 17 innings of work, and he was all right in the Frontier League in the time he spent there last year, and then Melky Mesa was that bat, which, not a bad bat, he just wasn't the guy I was expecting. Yeah, not the guy I was expecting at all, but hey, you know what? I mean, these were interesting names, and they picked him, and again, I like the rollout, like I said last week, I really like the idea of this type of a rollout, it really worked well, however, I didn't. I was expecting a bigger name, I think. Yeah, same. Like I, I understand it here, but when they say one of the franchise's most uh, like dominant here, he's only been there for two years, so I really don't see that. And I understand he had back-to-back twenty home run seasons, which is it's very good. I mean, it's impressive, no doubt. Exactly. I mean, he also he slugged five hundred last year, which is always good. It's a downgrade from last year, but still, he he definitely had good numbers for the postseason All Star. So I understand that and. I get calling him that, but I just, I was expecting something else here. You know? I agree. I was expecting something else, something with a little bit more flash, perhaps, but yeah. we didn't get it. And okay, I mean, like, it's still, it's still a very good signing, of course. Oh, absolutely. Bringing him back is great, but. Oh, I think it's great, but I, I just think that the only thing that I was hoping for more of a pizzazz, maybe, to it, and I just didn't a get A bigger it. name guy. A bigger name guy, a little bit more flash, a little bit more show, especially because they made this whole big thing about the rollout, and then, you know, I mean, obviously, Mesa is a fantastic player and will really help York, but I do think that it would have been fun to have one of those bigger guys we talked about last week. Yeah, I mean, it, it would have been nice to see the Tejada back in there or something like that, but I suppose that will come in time. They have said that we're going to continue to do it this way, so the next signings will be announced this upcoming. Monday, Rev Hot Stove, 6 o'clock, that same thing will happen here. But to switch gears to talk about the pitchers here, uh, Welch, a second-year guy now with York, he'll go into his first full Atlantic League season here. Three appearances, all three were starts, 17 innings, so they all went, roughly speaking, a little over five innings, about six innings each. And uh, he had six walks, but a not-so-great ERA, a 6.88 ERA, so a little high, but again, very small three sample starts, size. yeah. yeah. What were his numbers again in the Frontier League? In the Frontier League, it was a 
three four, I want to say, so but I the, don't know that for certain. So a pretty decent yeah. Frontier League. Yeah, he wound up finishing the year in total with around an ERA of three. Yeah, so that's pretty good. I mean, I, I think I'm interested to see what happens when he gets a little bit more time to adjust to the Atlantic League. I certainly think that you got to give him a little cushion for adjustment, mm. and it's a good move to bring somebody back who has the promise of talent, especially a little bit younger of a guy, uh, probably, you know, for uh, a, a more long-term uh, perspective to it. Exactly. Plus, he also didn't have a good strikeout number. He had 20 in 17 innings, so that's very good. I mean, K per nine of just over 10 and a half. So, I mean, that's that's very good, obviously. It now, is, yeah. Again, such a small sample size, it's very hard to kind of tell from that. But, oh, yeah. But, you know, in any case, Brandon Fry being the more interesting of the guys here, I think. 100%. As, he spent about four years in New Britain, was an inaugural B, so he spent 16, 17, 18, and then 19 there as well. So he comes in 2020, his first new team in the Atlantic League. He was a solid kind of middle reliever guy, uh, 31 appearances last year, all from the bullpen, 35 innings. So, you know, he's going to give you about an inning and change, uh, 20 walks, 33 strikeouts, and an ERA of 3.34. So a solid guy coming out of the bullpen. And I think this is really going to help continue that trend we saw from York towards the really the one-third of the way through mark when they really started to pick it up to try and avoid that slow start again. Yeah, this is a, a good move by them. This is further bolstering that bullpen and kind of keeping with the same idea that they had last year with hit the ball hard and then you know pitch really well in the later innings to try to lock it down. And I think their bullpen will be key to seeing if they can have the same type of success this season that they did last season. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's going to be critical because as we know, especially with baseball across any level now, the bullpen is where games will be won and lost offense will be there especially with the york team like that you bring back a 20 home run guy like mesa presumably you'll probably get a tahada back you'll probably get a handful of other guys back in there that are going to help with that offense production then it's really a matter of getting a solid five six innings out of your starter hoping your bullpen can bend down the hatches from the rest of the way through so i i do like fry a lot here i agree yeah i just think it's a great move and i think it's one of those things where if they have a good bullpen, York's going to be dangerous again this year. Exactly. I, I expect to see a lot of them coming up here. But I think with that, we'll kind of shift gears now to the Frontier League draft. So it's going to be as their combine, their workout, and their draft there. It will be held at the Lake Erie Crusher Stadium. It's about 20 miles west, I believe, of Cleveland. So that gives you a rough idea. It'll be from April 27th to 28th. The camp starts at 9. However, there is walk-up registration at 8. You can also register online. We'll have that link in our show notes on the website, IndieBallReport.com. Go to show notes. It will be right there. Day 1 is going to be kind of a combine. It's going to be a lot of drills, measurable, so 60-yard dash, a lot of infielding drills, outfielding drills. Pitches will throw about 25 to 30 pitches or so to kind of get a feel for it. That's going to be the total of day one. Uh, day two is going to be some of the players invited back. Others are just going to be kind of let go. Right. And the guys that are brought back, they'll play inter-squad games for, I believe, the morning portion. There'll be a 30-minute break after that. And then there will be preparation for the draft. And the day will ultimately end with the Frontier League draft. Yeah, I think that's this is going to be a really interesting opportunity for a lot of guys to get a lot of different looks. Um, if you make it to that intra-squad scrimmage, that's where you can really kind of delineate yourself from your competition because, yeah, it's great to show that you got a good arm in a situation where it's very controlled and very contained, but can you do it when the, the pressure's on in an intra-squad scrimmage is really ultimately what it comes down to. So these scouts are going to be looking for those intangibles, but they're also going to be looking for your mentality once you get into that uh, in 
in-game situation. So I think that'll be really interesting to see who uh, ultimately comes out from that. Exactly. And there's always going to be a solid amount here. There's always a handful of guys that are at this, uh, I don't want to call it a training camp, but the combine kind of thing yeah. that wind up being all-stars or some that even wind up managing to get the contracts purchased and whatnot. Yeah. And you do see a lot of guys get added from here. And normally you'll see a handful of rounds of guys getting picked up as well there so it's going to be interesting to see how this winds up shaking out and everything and like you said it's going to be in these inner squad games where you really separate yourself from everybody else try and say look i can perform when i need to it's not just an on-demand thing but it's going to be you know the situation calls for it i wasn't prepared for it but i managed to handle it and that's what they look for right yeah that they're looking for situational baseball can you understand uh, you know, what's the right situation to do things? Do you understand how baseball works? The little intricacies of the game that can oftentimes be hard to quantify if a player really understands that when he's taking fly balls in center field, you know, just uh, shagging exactly. fly yeah, balls. Yeah, when you're shagging fly balls or fielding grounders, it's kind of hard to be going, oh, well, they could do it quickly when they don't know when right. it's coming and that whole thing here. Yeah, this is a mental student of the game from laying out and making a diving catch. You know, I don't know if you're going to really figure that out. Exactly. And it's a couple days later after this concludes that then spring training will start. It'll be April 30th for that. Season will begin on May 14th. Ooh, we're uh, getting close. Exactly. We're getting close. We're narrowing it down. This whole camp is open to the public to go in and view and watch. And if you want to register for it in advance, you will run you a about $64 after fees and all that. However, there is an option for a promo code. I, I'd i recommend just emailing the league for that or emailing teams. Maybe they have one. I'm not even sure if one exists, but it's worth a shot to try and knock the price down a little bit. Yeah, worth there. a shot. Yep. Just as a note there, one thing I found interesting on their page, you have to wear, or there's just no metal spikes whatsoever because really? of the insurance policy uh, on the field. Sense, yeah. Also, no seeds, no gum, no nothing like that, no tobacco. Nothing. Well, not allowed to bring that onto the field because it may damage it and then kill the warranty on the field. Well, that, I, that makes sense from a, a legal standpoint as to why they have those rules in place. Obviously, those type of things, those little things, you know, if you hit some batters, they only hit with gum and they only hit with seeds. Sometimes it, it can hurt those little peculiarities that baseball players do have. But I think it, at the end of the day, it's, you know, kind of for the best. But it's a good warning to put out there anyway. Yep. It's listed around the bottom of the page and we'll have that page as well as the sign up form on the show notes there for you as well. So just wanted to call attention to that. Um, we will go quickly here to the All-Star Game in Washington. This is the Frontier League All-Star Game, so we are keeping with that theme here. We have the official sponsor. It is University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, UPMC. They will sponsor the whole weekend. So it is now the 2020 Frontier League All-Star Game, hosted by the Washington Wild Things, sponsored by or presented by UPMC. So that is what that will be there. In April, the tickets will go on sale. However, you probably don't need to buy it right away, but to show support for the league, go out and do that. Yeah, like we said last week, this is going to be a great event, and uh, I think I'm looking forward to seeing you know how this event goes over. It's like we said, the location makes a lot of sense, and mm-hmm. so it'll be a lot of fun. You know, get get your tickets early. It'll be great thing for the league if they really get a good strong outing from this. I think it'll really bolster their confidence moving forward with their rather grandiose plans of expansion. Exactly, which we haven't heard terribly much of outside of Ottawa as a market. Yeah, so I'm gonna be fair. I'm curious to see how that's going. I agree. I, I don't know how well that's going at the moment. Yeah, no, I'm getting 
I should talk to some of those markets that they were talking to beforehand when the Can-Am still existed. Yes. See how that's going. We'll yeah. try and do that for coming weeks here. But yeah. we'll have more information on the All-Star game over the next few weeks, according to the website. So I kind of expect to have a general outlay of how things are going to go by April 1st. So Yeah, that's that works. Yep. So from there, we'll go to the thing that may be coming to an Atlantic League ballpark near you soon. Mm. And it has to do with Major League Baseball. So, as you probably heard earlier in the week, Major League Baseball released the proposal to alter their playoff structure, where you would raise the playoff number of teams from five a league to seven a league. So, an additional four teams here, that is almost certainly just to increase revenue in playoff games. So, you would see the top team in each, not conference, but each league, they would get the buy. So, the best division winner gets that buy. And then the two other division winners and the two wild cards now will play in a three-game set each to determine who advances. And then once we get through that, then you have the choose-your-own-adventure style of the postseason, where you get to pick your opponent if you are the top seed. What? Yeah. So you get to pick who you want to play in the next round. Now, that is... That's a two-hour TV special where you get to go, or where you get to have the L.A. Dodgers on saying, we want the Milwaukee Brewers... We want the Milwaukee Brewers and then getting their heads stomped in them because they've just really pissed off the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> to be fair, if you need that to have to have the desire to win the postseason or to find that extra gear there, dare I say you shouldn't be in the postseason to begin with. That's very true. But I do think that, yeah, it's it's a, it's a silly proposition from my vantage point. But I think it would be one of those things that would certainly increase revenue and interest. I, I can't lie to that. See, I love this idea just because I like how different it is. The, actually, it is the Southern different. Professional Hockey League does the same thing, actually, where once the playoff is figured out, they have their seeding of teams, and then they call out, like, okay, Pensacola wants make them in the first round and they do that so i do like this i think it'll be interesting i think it creates that kind of bad blood that as of recent and really now in kind of modern sports doesn't really exist exist, anymore yeah just because you grow up playing with these guys and you see them so often and it's just in your general best interest for everybody to get along and have the unified front yeah especially when it comes to dealing with the uh collective bargaining agreements and things like that exactly so you really lack that bad blood but when you have one team having to call another team out, it's going to exist there. Oh, yeah. That's it's bulletin board material. You're going to get that kind of rivalry, that hate there, which regardless of what you think of it, it adds interest to to the series. Oh, 100%. It adds interest to the series. Sure. I mean, I, I said it's silly, and I, I stand by that, that it's it's silly from perspective if you look at it from a, a baseball quote-unquote purist, boring, 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 but people don't care about that. I, I'm fully aware that what my opinion is, People don't care about. People do not care about old-time, old-fashioned baseball. They want what's new. They want to be interested. They want to be excited. They want passion. And that's what you're going to get with this rule change. Exactly. So to bring it back to independent league baseball, because this is slated at the earliest to be implemented in 2022, so not next season, but the season after. What are the odds we see this in the Atlantic League? Because this seems like a testable thing. 100%. 100%. Exactly. Now, see, obviously you can't do the full 14-team layout because there's just not enough teams. Yeah. But you definitely can do the, okay, you pick however you want your teams in the playoffs and whatnot. Say, I don't know, maybe you do away with the structure of things as it goes right now, where you have your two division winners on each side, and then if the different team wins, or just however it works out, yeah, you know, the structure of that, and then you have the top two from each 
conference or league or however they watch divide, you could still just go to say a general. These four teams are here. Team one, pick who you want. Team two, pick who you want. Well, team two, you don't get to pick who you want because only team one really gets a choice. Right. But team one will get a choice. But I, I do think that that's actually what's going to wind up happening is, you know, the top seed in each of these two divisions is going to wind up picking who they want to play. And I think that's really what's the, the test tube for the Atlantic League will be. And I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens as a result of that. Exactly. And this seems like it's going to be one of those where it's an awful lot like banging the shift where there's not enough in this league for it to be a viable testing ground. Right. Partially because, A, you already see all these guys all the time. B, most of these guys are friends because they were teammates at some point, either in Winter League, on a different independent league team, yep. in affiliated minors, uh, uh, overseas. in college, <laughs> like whenever. Yeah, they were college, overseas. Yeah, that, or they're friends with them through another guy that yeah. they were both teammates with. Like, it's just not going to work yeah, as well. They've gone out together on the road. <laughs> yeah. Plus, there's also the fact of, there's only f- already eight teams in the Atlantic League. So, already you're seeing each of these teams a lot. So, you already do have that kind of rivalry thing as much as it's yeah. going to exist. And by calling them out, it's not like it's going to add any sort of extra layer. That's that's just it. Especially if you figure a lot of these guys are going to go, well, we're not going to... If I'm one, I'm not going to pick number two. I'm not going to pick number three. I'm going to pick number four. Yeah, right. I mean, like, it, yeah, I mean, I think the Atlantic League will do it, and I think it'll fall on its face, and then... I don't think it's going to fall on its face. I think it's just going to be not... Fall on its face, but I mean, it's not going to do what MLB wants it to do. It's not yeah. going to be any major thing that'll hurt the Atlantic League. It's just, well, people are going to go, okay, that happened, great, okay, moving on. <laughs> like, Exactly. Like, it's just... But I I definitely see it happening. There's no doubt Oh, yeah, that. it's happening. There's no doubt. I mean, it's... I'm interested to see how it's going to work out still, though. I think it could be something of interest. I, again, think it's also an opportunity to create more of that media presence. Because you could definitely have Rick White walk out there. You have, say, either the manager or the GM or the president of each of the clubs that made the postseason. Yeah. You know, have them all sit at one ballpark. It doesn't really matter which one. doesn't matter which one. Who's ever the top, the most Yeah, pick the number one seed. Yeah. Number one seed's ballpark. They go ahead, they say, oh, welcome here, we go through it, you do a whole little show thing about it, and then you have the number one team stand up at the end of it and yep. go, all right, we have decided that uh, the number one seed, I don't know, High Point Rockers have decided we want the fourth team to make the postseason, the fourth eligible team in the York Revolution. Yeah, exactly. And, and then we go, okay, then Summer said that means you get to play Long Island. Yeah. Congrats. Uh, and and I like that. I think that would work a lot. I think that, you know, you had the build up to that. You could put it on all the social media. You can make a big deal out of it. And people will be engaged by that. And then they'll know when the, the for the casual fan who doesn't really keep up with an independent league baseball, you'll know the playoffs are going on. Exactly. And I think that's another huge positive about this, that you're going to get some buzz about it. Yeah. And I think that buzz and that kind of social media reactions really where the value and the test is going to come from. Because obviously, as we just pointed out, there's a lot of flaws in the physical baseball aspect of it. Oh, yeah. But as far as the public reaction to it, if you have a positive reaction on the uh, independent league scale, then you can assume it's going to be up multiple fold on the Major League Baseball scale. Agreed 100%. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. There hasn't been any sort of plan given yet on that front. Nope. So, 
we'll have to wait and see there. And then in other Major League Baseball news, we did see the first of the Atlantic League rule trials finally implemented in Major League Baseball. That three batter minimum has officially joined the rule book there, which I saw an interesting theory for guys, which is, let's say you bring your reliever in. Okay. You want him to face two guys and then get out. Right. Walks the first one, let's say. I don't know. He gets a ground out, but it's a fielder's choice. So he only gets one runner on first. Okay. You want him out of there because he just doesn't face the one guy good. Uh-huh. Throws one pitch, have it be way the hell outside, and have him start arguing balls and strikes with it. And gets thrown out. Yeah, and get himself thrown out. So that way someone has to, someone else has to come in. There you go. Because what difference does it make if he gets gunned or he gets taken out? He's out of the game anyway. That's right. You, get, you start arguing, what the hell is that? Exactly. Even though it's clearly outside. Yeah. So, so you, you know he's going to get gunned. Yeah. See, now I assume if that starts happening, Major League Baseball is going to go, okay, that's suspended fine. for five games. Whatever. Yeah, you're suspended for the next game or two or whatever it may be. But even still, I think you're going to get a decent amount of managers that are going to tell them, all right, when they come in, here's what's going to happen. You're going to throw th- you're going to throw to certain guys and your arm's going to get real tight and you're not going to be able to continue on today. Yeah, you're going to get injured or you're going to throw to you're going to throw two guys or you're going to and then you're going to throw your glove at the umpire. Some shit's going to happen here where you're going to come out of this game. All right? Oh, that's 100% what's going to happen. Like, so that's what a lot of people are saying is going to happen. I could see it, but I think by and large, people are going to wind up playing by the rules. Oh, 100%. 100%. I think there'll be a lot. I mean, because it, it makes sense. I mean, the three batter minimum is not too much to ask. I mean, that is a legitimately decent rule. Exactly. As we went through the, with the rules review with Will, we're both pretty much in the camp of, look, I understand where you're coming from here. But A, pitch better, so yeah. that way you're not a loogie. That's right, yeah. Or B, you're a professional pitcher. You're kind of expected to get the professional batter out. Right, if you can't get certain guys out, that's not, you shouldn't be pitching. Like, that's simple. Exactly. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see on that front. Agreed, well. yeah. So, but it's interesting just to see that the rule changes are finally starting to get implemented and see how they're going to kind of work out throughout the year. Yeah, and I think this is what's going to be kind of what makes or breaks this Atlantic League deal is how successful ultimately these rules are in MLB baseball is if they continue the whole uh, deal with the Atlantic League. I mean, they can terminate this probably at any point knowing the MLB. I mean, probably MLB can, but although I do wonder, and if there's not a clause in there, I imagine, then it would be breach of contract. Or they could just probably ignore the rest of it and say, ah, we got nothing to test. Yeah, I mean, they could always do that. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what the the deal, the the particulars of the contract are, but I could definitely see the MLB giving themselves some type of opt-out option into it. (laughs) Exactly. And either way, this is year two of year three. So yeah, that's right. So they really only have one more, one, two more seasons yeah, so to they, go. They just play the thing out. Yeah, even make the most sense just to say, fine, we'll deal whatever. With it. Yeah, we'll deal with it for one year. Exactly. So I, it'll be interesting to see how that winds up shaking itself out. So agreed. All right. So let's see. We're about twenty four minutes in, twenty three and a half minutes in. It's been a pretty quick day. Quick day, yeah. But there's not too much to really kind of patter around on. So. Yeah. We'll announce the thing, and then I guess we'll talk about some XFL stuff, and uh, I'm going to wind up leaving it in. Sounds because, good. Because, you know, it's good to just pad the episode with. That's right. Pad it. Plus, it's kind of like independent league football. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when you get down to it, yeah. When we break it down, yeah. Any I don't ev- like independent league football. Let me tell you that right now. Exactly. any event, so what we got here is we held our vote as to what was going to be our special episode. Uh, there was one vote that was pretty overwhelming where it was, okay, yeah, clearly that's going to advance. And the Super Indie League was the one that won handily. 
then you had the disposal draft versus the created team, which was very close, but ultimately created team won out. So that brought us to our decision here. And ultimately what we picked was, in a not-so-close vote, the Super Indie League managed to win out. So we'll be doing the Super Indie League. We'll try and build one where instead of having our three major leagues and a couple of these other ones, we're just going to have that one giant league. What teams would be in it? Right. If there'd be any markets we'd add into it? What kind of rules would exist inside of it? What its ultimate goal would be? Just basically the structure of having this whole league and how this would work out and what that would look like. And we can pick any, or what are our parameters for this? We can pick any teams from any indie leagues. As long as they're an independent league baseball team. They're, they're fair game this to throw be, into this league. This is going to be fun. This exactly. Be fun. And now, obviously, then you could put whatever uh, rules or parameters you want for it. So you could say uh, roster construction of the 25 guys you have. Uh, 10 of them could be of any age, any status, but five of them have to be rookies. And the remaining mass of the roster has to be not above a certain number of years experience or a certain age and not a rookie. Or you could just go hog wild and say any age. any Or, yeah, you could just do the Atlantic League thing where it's any age, any seniority. Just keep going. Yeah. Or you could Lou even... Lou Ford. <laughs> yeah, Lou Ford. There is that. That's going to be our thing for the week. And I believe we scheduled that episode to be recorded on the 29th, however. I do believe as well. Yep, 28 was the special episode to be recorded. 29th is when it will come out because it's the leap year. Oh, very nice. But yeah, generally speaking, that's our plan. That's what went out. Uh, in the future, create a team may come in. But but again, I think I'd rather wait a while on it. And then when we finally find out that either the name of the Gastona team, maybe do that. Uh, when we find out the name of the new Ottawa team that will be going in, do that. Do yeah. something like that. Yeah, I think that would be for the best. I, I really like to create a league idea because it's not as unfeasible as you might think given the... Yeah, this isn't even create a league. This is create. This is just create, create a super... Create the league. Yeah, create <laughs> one super league. Say everything folds into just one. Yeah, I mean... And just kind of meld elements from that. That's really the only rules here is that you have to use pre-existing rules from these leagues. Right. That's really it. So you got to just piece everything together. And I like that. I think this could be a lot of fun. I think it'll be... Uh, there'll be a lot of teams in there. You... Uh, what I what I really want to, I'm interested in is organizational structure. I think that's yeah. so important to keeping deciding whether to keep a team or not. Because okay, you might have a team that doesn't do great on the field in the recent couple of years. So like, let's say Southern Maryland, yeah, Texas. Well, they're terrible, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're not the best um, on the field. But certainly the if you look at like Southern Maryland, who hasn't been great on the field in the past mm. couple of years. Uh, but they organizationally, structurally, are not bad. They're a sound team organizationally mm. um, and have a good fan base. So those are the things you got to look at. And can you translate on-the-field success into success into a super league? And it's interesting to kind of piece that out. Then also, how large of a league is sustainable? That's right, yeah. That, what's the sustainability of it? What's that structure going to be like? Are you going to organize, like, say, Major League Baseball, and you have two or three divisions inside each different league, but conference, essentially? Yeah. And then go with a certain playoff structure. Are you going to go with just say, no, here's a 20 team league, the top, I don't know, top four make it, and then they battle it out. Number one plays four, number two plays three, and the winner of those two go on to play for a championship. Yeah, I mean, and that's pretty, that'd be an interesting one as well. Yeah. I think. <laughs> the one that's going to be the most interesting, the thing I'm probably going to wind up going with, 
is kind of like how European soccer is set up. Oh, kind of like the Premier League. The point system. Almost like that, where you have relegation. Oh, relegation. That's where I'm you get a higher tier and then a lower tier. Exactly. Ah. Like Indy League uh, Premier and then Indy League 1, Indy League 2, where you have these different teams that are on these different tiers where ah. you move up. And I think it keeps a lot of interest there, too. Now, obviously. Maybe it's not the best idea because if one team gets relegated and their base is like, whoa, why did we lose all these guys? You know? Yeah. But at the same time, already you already have to deal with turning over a new team every year. So I think it would be less stressful. And I think you would see, instead of seeing the same three or four teams constantly being relegated from not good enough to be in the premier, but still too good to be in League One. And just constantly flipping back and forth. Yeah. You would see teams where it's like, say, oh, who's one of the kind of bottom tier teams as of recent? Say, like a Lancaster, for example. Let's take them for an example. Right. Where they've had a rough couple of years. They would, one year, they just go out, they win the Premier League. Right. And then next year, they just get relegated. That, that would be interesting. Like that's, to see that kind of a switch. That would be quite interesting. Yeah, that's something for next week to talk about because I, I think that'd be quite an interesting. Well, this is for a couple weeks. In the, oh, excuse me. Yeah, a couple weeks. Couple weeks. But yeah, it would be. I think that's gonna be a really interesting, really fun episode. Um, I'd love to get anybody's. Oh, take of course. On we, this wa- we want some fan sub- submissions here, either to the main indie ball accounts, indie ball pod on Twitter, or indie ball report on Instagram. Or you could send it to or Indie Ball Report James. Either one of those two, we'd love. And that's to hear on Instagram, from, correct? And that is on Instagram, yes. And I'd love, you know, we'd love to hear from either you. Send direct messages, uh, you know, leave comments, whatever. And I think that'll be really interesting. Maybe I'll post something out yeah. uh, about it, you know, just to to get some people's take on it as to what would you like to see if you were building this indie league. You know, let's let's guide us. Let's see what what you all would think on this. So I think it'll be a very interesting episode in a few weeks. Exactly. So that'll be something that's interesting and something to watch out for in the upcoming weeks yeah in the meanwhile we have one last thing to cover and this will end the baseball portion of today's show so if you're only here for some independent league baseball talk that should be wrapping up just about now if you're here for the personalities and i don't blame you if you are (laughs) or you're here because you want to hear some more xfl talk because this is not the xfl show but you know it is a show that's going to talk about briefly because we talked about the AAF too in the beginning. That's right, we did talk about the AAF. So we got to do our due diligence. Yep, we'll do. We'll give the XFL a week, I suppose. It's their opening week. We'll that, see how it goes. That's right. We went to one of the XFL games, the we New did. York Guardians versus the Tampa Bay Vipers. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. What were your takeaways from the game? So here's my takeaways from the game. I think uh, in live, live, it's not a bad product, right? Yeah. Live, it's a pretty good it's product. It seen better than on TV. It seen better that. than on TV. It's a pretty good product live. Um, there was a decent amount of people there, more than I thought. Supposedly for that game we were at, I believe the in, the attendance that wound up being sorted out was a little over 17,000. That's pretty good. I mean, that's pretty good now that it is the first week. So, so you're going to have a lot of hype there. Plus, it was a surprisingly pleasant day. It wasn't Jersey, so it wasn't too bad. Right, it wasn't too bad at all. It was but in the 40s. Then also because they only sold out the lower bowl, nobody really got affected by the wind. Right, yeah, nobody nobody got bit by the wind. Yeah, so. the wind was bad. Yeah, the wind was bad. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think ultimately it's a, it's an okay product. Uh, you know, the quarterback play could have been better, even by the Guardians who won. Matt McGloin just couldn't. MVP! Yeah, MVP. MVP. Despite the MVP chance from the crowd, Matt McGloin couldn't make throws outside the numbers. Um he doesn't really have a big cannon of an arm he doesn't really have an arm to speak of he kind of has a wet noodle um but i mean and so look you have 
certain teams, certain guys that are going to be really good. You'll have certain teams, certain guys that won't be as good. I think overall as a product, it's an interesting concept, but I found myself having a little football fatigue. I'm not going to lie to you. Like I love football just as much as the next guy, but I do think there are other sports going on right now. There's golf, there's basketball, even though I'm not a huge basketball guy, but I watch a little bit there's of it. There's hockey going there's on. There's a you lot have, of hockey. I love hockey. You have the ramp guy. up of March Madness got, coming. Yeah, March Madness coming. You got some good golf. You just had Pebble Beach a yeah, few Pro-Am. weeks ago. Pro-Am. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you've got a lot of really good stuff going on, and it's just like, it's one of those things that it's in there, and if it's on, yeah, I'll watch it. I mean, I like the concept and idea, but I don't know if it's something sustainably that'll it'll be a long-term scenario but I, I like the concept i've always liked the idea of spring football but it's tough to watch football at a lower level when you've been so used to the quality of the nfl for so long exactly i'm i'm gonna go into more of a critical breakdown here so bear with me but like watching i watched the opening week and i was really excited for it because i was a big aaf guy so i was like okay if this is going to be just be more of the same here, but more financially sustainable with a bigger market, you know, I could get into that. You know, it'll, it'll last longer here. And then right. watching that first game, which was, I believe, was Tampa Bay, or not Tampa Bay, it was uh, the D.C. defenders, not the Washington defenders, but the D.C. defenders. Important distinction to make versus, the, I believe, was the Seattle Dragons, if I'm right. I think that's it, yeah. Yes, uh, that game was severely underwhelming to me. I found myself by halftime going, I really don't care anymore. Even the game we went to at halftime, I was like, I'm, I'm kind of good. Like, I don't need to stay for the rest. I'm going to stay because I'm already here and I paid for the seats and everything. Right, but yeah. Overall, that wasn't great. The play was all right. I, I heard that the late games for each of them were better. Okay. okay. Uh, or at least the late game where it was LA and Houston was better. For me, the constant interviews on the sidelines got to be a bit tedious. One or two would have been more than enough for me. Again, there is a significant drop-off in play quality. Uh, maybe as I have a bit of a vendetta against the XFL because they did have that kind of rabid fan base that some were cheering about the AAF failing, which I never really understood. If you're cheering that people just lost their jobs, that never made sense to me. Right, yeah, that doesn't make sense. At all, especially because most of those guys are not playing for your team, so that's kind of ironic or humorous, I suppose, that you said screw them when they lost their jobs and were kicked out of their hotel rooms with their bags on the street, but now it's rah, rah, let's go Vince McMahon, who's granted paying them a much more sustainable rate. Right. Regardless of that, one thing I, I do remark about at the game, there was a very rabid crowd. There was, yeah. And while, yeah, I do... I like to see that kind of passion and definitely had a bit of a college atmosphere. It did, yeah. It's a lot different from an NFL crowd. Ooh, a lot different. Um, and I'm not sure how much I love that. For if you're a rabbit kind of football, like man's football kind of guy, that kind of run the ball down their throat, hard nose, hard hitting guy, it's definitely more your speed. Absolutely. If it's more if you're more interested in like the the long throw down the field, that NFL style of football, that kind of family inclusive atmosphere. The strategy of it and everything. Yeah, I just, I don't necessarily think that's it. I mean. I agree. Again, how many NFL games do you have a streaker jump on the field at? Uh, right. Some people say, oh, it was funny, again publicity and whatnot. I 
seem to think that's more you create an environment where people believe that they can do that and be unpunished and that new jersey state trooper definitely was not happy he had to tackle a mostly naked guy in his boxers in about 40 degree weather that felt about 36 so you know best of luck to that guy yeah exactly you're you're absolutely right there i mean i think that's one of the biggest issues too is uh, something i definitely found was that the the fan base that was there is very different than an nfl fan base it doesn't feel as though it's as professional in in the sense of they're not taking it as seriously what's going on on the field it's just very like oh whatever happens is great whatever doesn't happen is bad it's not to say that i don't like the concept of the xfl yeah I i like the idea of having spring football but again I also do wonder how long it's going to last. I wonder how long. And and that's part of the reason that gives me the most reserve. Because like you, I loved the AAF. Mm. I was a huge fan. I was all in. I watched the San Antonio Commanders, and I loved them. I loved them. And it was very sad. I mean, I I saw a guy in in Greg Ward Jr. uh, who was on there, and he he wound up getting to go with the Eagles. So that was pretty cool. Um, But, you know, the thing is that to see a league that you kind of initially put so much emotion in first fail it's kind of soured the xfl for me a little bit because i'm like i'm just waiting for it to collapse on itself now that and also i look and i go if you look at most of these spring leagues it's either finances that bring them down poor planning that brings them down huge ego that brings them down there is a combination of all of those that go into it right and we're a lack of interest yeah that too and I'm just kind of expecting for it to come crashing down at some point. And frankly, nothing I saw screams sustainability to me. I like that they're trying a lot of stuff, and I do applaud them for that. But I look at their app, it's pretty uninspiring. It Plus, is. you had to roll out your Apple version before your Android version. I would have just waited the day and rolled them out at the same time. I would have seen more uniform. Agreed. But it's pretty bare bones. It's basically the website, only in an app version. So I suppose it's better for mobile users. Uh, their betting app is interesting, but as I showed you at the game, there's a feature where you can only bet if you're in the stadium. And it didn't work. We were sitting 14 rows from the field, and it said I wasn't in the stadium. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is certainly in the stadium. That is 100% in the stadium, as about as in the stadium as you're going to get. Especially, like right, like you said, where, where we were sitting, and you just can't have that happen. And the other thing is, the AAF app was part of what the draw was to it. Exactly. It no, so granted, cool. that was very flawed. Because it was. It you could tell the money was running running on that. Right. But, but. the concept, the, I think the AAF dreamed bigger. It, it dreamed yeah. bigger. It, it had the, the uniforms. It felt were, more authentic. It, exactly. It felt more authentic. The uniforms were a little bit more, you know, jazzed up. It was exactly like I look at all the XFL ones and there's two things that stand out to me. One, it seems like they're extremely modern. And two, they look like they're from a creative team in a video game. Yeah. That's what I get the sense of them on all of them. And none of them really stand out to me. Like New York's, I, I like uh, Tampa Bay's. I like... I like the Houston Roughneck name. I like the Roughneck name, and I also like the fact that they went with the Oilers kind of... Yeah, the oil well. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. That, uh, I am a fan of St. Louis. Uh, The name leaves a bit to be desired, but the logo is cool. The logo is cool. I don't really get the sense of having the DC Defenders and the New York Guardians. That's basically the same Same name, name, yeah. The same branch there. Plus, I don't really get what the Defenders logo is. It's a shield with some lightning bolts and a star on it. I don't 
And and I mean, I kind of get the New York Guardians. You're going for the gargoyle type like, thing, where it's like gargoyle supposed to ward off evil spirits or some shit. Yeah, but it's like uh, I don't I don't know. I would rather I would have rather it be something that was really impactful culturally to New York, New Jersey, the metro area. I mean, I think that would have been really cool for fans. But exactly. Plus, like what I liked is when you had the uh, AAF rollout. They had the little accompanying video with yeah. it where you went like, okay, it's Birmingham. It's the steel center of the South. It was that kind of an identity, and that's why it was iron. Right. With uh, the Apollos, well, it's a sunshine state. It's known as a sunny place. Apollo sun god. Yep. Makes sense there. Yeah, of course, the the space program, Apollo yep. missions, uh, and then yeah, the, the Defenders. Yep, the hot shots for Arizona, too. I right. mean, you had that. And that was a really cool Yeah, name. because it reflected to the firefighters yeah from the granite mountain fire but i mean so you've got some just some really 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 cool cultural things that were just embedded deeply within the culture and it's it's a shame that the aaf didn't work because that was really maybe the less planned everyone's saying it's the less it planned was rushed thing. and, and yeah. i'm not gonna lie it definitely was they definitely moved ahead but they would have been fine if the money didn't kind of fall out on them yeah if the money was there their initial investor just backed out yeah and then they were kind of up the creek right exactly up the creek without a paddle but i really do think though that the xfl just it wasn't able to to give me that same emotional juice that the aaf did for whatever reason and i think it's a shame Mm -hmm. uh i don't know if it'll last it had 17 million viewers the first time yeah but again the aaf did very well its first week as well right i mean no no i mean so this is in 2001 it had 17 million viewers this past one it had 3.1 million so it shows you how the drop off in case television is yeah um, but uh, you know so okay so you have this drop off and you've got you know 3.1 million average it's going to drop hugely uh you know from there it'll probably average about what maybe a million viewers that'd be pretty good if they did did a million if they did a million that'd be pretty good and now I, is that concurrent or at its peak i think it was i might have been at its peak okay um, because that that's a major difference if you have third if you have the three million concurrently that's real good. If you had a three million peak, it's not bad, right? Yeah, I'm not sure. No. I don't know. Uh, it's what I heard on ESPN, so I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but the only thing I would say is that you know it's it's an interesting concept. I always like the idea of it, but I like the first incarnation, the AAF, uh, much much better for the excitement and the cultural passion that it was able to bring together really felt like and because they were went into these niche communities that weren't necessarily as big it the, you know the new york Guardians just felt like another thing in metal land it's just another th- I mean, there's three football teams mm-hmm. in the metal lands it's just like it felt worn out instead of going to places i mean birmingham was such a cool place to do it right exactly. I mean, like that's the thing too i always like to see some minor markets mixed in there and i understand why you go with bigger markets sure it makes more sense but, but it Again, it just gives me a less authentic kind of feel to it. Agreed. I mean, too, just to kind of go back to that game day experience, it's very weird to see MetLife Stadium that seats, I believe, something like 82,000 to be two-thirds empty. Yeah, that was that was. That is an odd thing. I and I understand they couldn't open up sales to all that because it would just mean people would have been spread out more and it would have looked even emptier. Yeah. But it's still very odd there and you don't, it was loud, don't get me wrong. There were so several times that Tampa had to burn a timeout because they just couldn't get the... They had to go to a silent count. But still, but that's it, more, it's a hollow kind of echo. Right, and it's also more to the type of fan than it yeah. is to the number of fans. Right, exactly. You had a lot of really expressive, loud, boisterous fans and not as many of your casual onlookers. Exactly. That and also just the game day experience. It was a little bit frustrating at times like 
you go into the concourse, at least for MetLife, and I'm not sure how it is at other stadiums, there was always a long line wherever you went because they only had about a third of the staff because only the third of the stadium was open. Yeah. So a third of the staff means everything backs up a lot more. There was times where you'd look at a concession booth and there appeared to be nobody working but a line that was about 20 people deep. Oh, more than that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we st- I stood online in that concession stand forever. I mean, it's not because, I mean, MetLife has a great staff, but yeah. it's just when you only have one third of them, you know. Exactly, and it's a cost thing. It is, it's, it's a, cost a cost thing. thing. And I can't blame them for that. No, you can't blame for that, but it's just not the same. I mean, then you have to have it at a smaller venue, right? And that's the point that I guess we're we're dancing around is MetLife is a huge venue made for, you know, big time concerts and big time events, sporting events, you know, the Giants and the Jets, big time NFL franchises. And instead, you know, you've got this XFL thing. And I just don't feel like it was like you said, I feel like it's not authentic. It, it feels like it's one of those, just another thing. It's kind of a, a campy kind of thing that, you know, you can go and take out your frustrations on rather than watching, you know, the elegance that is football. Yeah. And it, again, I really think where it would have done better is that they would have put it over at whatever Rutgers calls their football stadium yeah, nowadays. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think it used to be High Point Solutions. I don't know. Yeah. If it's and then they anymore. changed it to like, oh, wait, it was SHI. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you're <laughs> yeah, asking that's for it. it. That's it. Yeah. Especially with the way Rutgers plays football. Oh, gosh. You're really asking for but, it. Yeah. You almost lose the liberty. If it was in God. New Brunswick, it would have been It would have been better. Then I think you would have drawn in a different group, but you still would have had that New York media. I think you maybe even would have gotten some Philadelphia media in there. You would have gotten some Philly media. And now, you, obviously, at that point, though, you can't call them New York. No, you have to call them New Jersey, and that would have been kind of cool, too. Right? Yeah, to give, I think you could have played, because New Jersey is one of those states that really does have a lot of state pride. It does. And I think you could have gone away with calling them like a New York Guardians, which sounds a bit odd, but change the name on it. I think if you said New Jersey something or others, you would put in a different name and you you made it New Jersey and you really gave the Garden State identity, it would have had a really great chance of being successful because, like you said, there's so much New Jersey pride. If you play on that, oh my goodness. Oh, absolutely. It'll work. Yeah. Fantastically. But yeah, I am I'm curious to see where it goes in the future. Uh, we're probably not going to talk about it much going forward, but I felt like it was worthy to give some time to, especially because it was a bit of a shorter episode. We put about eh, 15, 20 minutes on this. So, yeah, that's, you know. yeah, good enough. I mean, like, and I think, again, I'm sure some people will disagree with me and they have every right to. I just didn't get the same feeling I got from the yeah. AF. And that's about it. I mean, it's not, it's just it's more. It's not a knock. It's just it's my just, personal yeah. feelings, you know. I mean, I, just didn't know. generate the same excitement for me. I don't know what else to say. Exactly. So I think with that, we're, we're kind of good here. So our announcement for our Super Indie League episode, that will be out on February 29th, recorded on February 28th. So over the next few weeks, be sure to send us some suggestions for what you would want to see in your Super Indie League or what your plan would be for that league. Toss that out there. Uh, also working on the article where it's going to be co-authored with a special guest that will be announced once the thing is finished. But we're working on it at the moment. It will be on this trend of Indie League players choosing to go to other leagues as opposed to the Atlantic League or Atlantic Leaguers in general that just decide, you know, like David Washington, like Dallas Beeler, like numerous other guys, Matt Latos notably too, that decide, yeah, you know what, I'm going to go back to, I'm going to go to a different league now because I don't want to deal with the BS. Yeah, I don't want to deal with the rules. I don't want to deal with the red tape. I want to move forward. So, yeah, I think that'll be very exciting whenever that comes out with your special, special co-author. Yep. All right. So, with that being said, let's plug and get out of here. 
you can find the main show on Instagram at Indie Ball Report. You can find an individual co-host at Indie Ball Report James. You can find the main show on Twitter at Indie Ball Pod. You can also find us on YouTube, Indie Ball Report Podcast there. We put up a video not too long ago about the Florence Y'all's name. It's a quality video. Check that out. Great video. Yep. Uh, you can find our articles videos podcasts and show notes all of that information is available on our website indieballreport.com you can also follow us everywhere we said and be sure to follow the podcast on anywhere you find podcasts rate review subscribe there so say tune in stitcher podomatic spotify apple Podcasts, google play podcast anywhere you can find them they're there so be sure to do that as well all right, and with that being said, do we have anything else left to add? Nope, nothing else to be said other than go pinch the blue crab, baby. All right, with that said, nothing else left to add. We'll end this show like we do every show. Don't forget to play ball. <laughs> <laughs>